Then we're going to be looking at the kingdom of God. Next Sunday, we've got a double header. The guy's got something he's going to share. And Danielle. So we're going to have Guy and Danielle back to back. That'll be good, won't it? It's always, it's always good when we have a bit of a double header because God brings something out that's different um, from each person, but somehow it seems to link together. So it's really cool. So, Father, we just ask today as we open the Word afresh that every other voice would be stilled. We just be open to You, to Your Word, to Your Spirit. Lord, that You would open our ears to hear, that You would open our eyes to see, that our hearts would be open to You, that we would see You, we would see You, and that we would be known as a people who seek first Your kingdom and your righteousness. Amen. I'm actually really excited about today. I've been excited about the Word for the last few days. It's been brewing in my spirit, because after last Sunday when um, I spoke just for a, a, a few minutes on the Beatitudes, on the blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, blessed, you know, so, and um, I was really praying about continuing into the message on the kingdom of God, and I really felt the Lord said to just stay in Matthew. So we're going to go into the rest of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Do you reckon we can get through two and a half chapters? Yeah, easy. Wow. Amen. So I hope you're ready. Because the more I spend time with the Lord and the more I'm studying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven because, you know, Matthew, you know, interchanges them. It's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So the, the more I'm spending time and, and, and studying the kingdom of God, the more I'm convinced, and please don't mishear me, the more I'm convinced that revival is not necessarily the word. Everybody wants revival. But I'm more and more convinced that that is not the word that we're after. It's actually transformation and reformation. I actually think we need reformation more than revival because I think if we get a reformation, that the other stuff will actually follow. Because God is not looking for a people whom He could just pour out His Spirit upon just for a, a few weeks or a few months. No, He is looking for a people who will live out His presence and His glory and His kingdom pur purposes day after day after day after day. Is there an amen? The word revival has been so cheapened over the years. A hundred years ago, the word revival meant that God visited a, a city in such a way that the city was never the same again. Like, never. Well, until that generation passed away and then the next generation went back to the ways that they used to. And that's part of the problem with, with revival is that it, it comes and goes. But, you know, revival is used for a, for, a, for a meeting or a series of meetings or a worship night and stuff. It's not revival. It's, it's a refreshing. It's a renewal. But it's not revival. But I'm convinced in my spirit, which is funny because I'm a contender for revival in our nation. So I've been working through some stuff with God that I'm more convinced than ever that it is actually reformation. That 
As we had a reformation of theology, we need a reformation of the church. We need a reformation of our thinking. We need a reformation of our practices. We need a reformation of things that will lead to transformation. Is there an amen to that? I've probably lost you a little bit at the moment. But we'll get there. Because we are, we are, we're in the new wineskin. Tell me in the New Testament where the word revival is actually mentioned. Anybody? It's actually not. It's actually not. In the Old Testament, there's a few occasions, will, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? But under the new covenant, God actually rendered the heavens and he actually came down and he said, I am more than enough. I am everything that you need. He's actually done it. When the word of God says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, he actually means that. He's actually given you everything you need for life and godliness. He is more than enough. So the problem is not with him, it's with us. And I think we need an understanding, we need an awakening. We need an enlightenment of our thinking and of our heart that we would come to understand what God has done for us. Is there an amen to that? Because that's why Jesus was ultimately saying, you know, when he was talking about the, the old wine and the new wineskins and all this kind of stuff, what he was actually saying is that, that, he, that he couldn't pour the new wine into the old covenant. He couldn't pour the new wine into the old covenant. It had to be made new. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to die. Jesus had to give of himself. The veil in the temple was torn. And he's given of himself to us. Is there an amen? So last week, please don't stone me yet. I haven't finished. Or throw tomatoes or whatever. Or Gatorade. You know, there was that post on Facebook that someone said, you know, they said we should get excited at church as we do about the football. And I tried that, but I came and threw, and I threw Gatorade all over the pastor, and he didn't really appreciate it. Uh, okay, that one got lost with some people. At, at the end of big football games, when they're celebrating something, they get the big Gatorade, and they just dump it over the coach, and, you know, he gets totally... Yeah, anyway, we'll go Matthew 5. We'll go there. Matthew 5. I am convinced, but just to, just to clarify that, I am convinced that God, that, that we, are, we are going to see the wondrous works of our God. But I'm convinced that it's not just over a few weeks or a few months, but it is the church going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until He comes. And God is preparing a people to be built together like living stones to become a, a dwelling place for His presence and His glory. And that's why He's been going deep in our hearts, isn't it? Because we have to love the way that He loved. And so therefore, He needs to deal with bitterness. He needs to deal with unforgiveness. He needs to deal with the things that we've been holding on to. He needs to deal with the works of the flesh. He needs to deal with these things so that we can actually walk in humility and we can wash each other's feet. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. And he said, now you do likewise. And I think we should do that one day. I don't know how we're going to do that, but I think we should have some tubs of water up here. 
And it won't be a religious thing, but if you feel the prompting in worship to wash someone's feet, I want you to wash their feet. So maybe wear sandals that day when we do it. So there's no sock fluff. No, have sock fluff, it's okay. So we want to read Matthew 5, 6 and 7. I'm not going to read it word for word all the way through because we would be here for a while. And you'll probably say, Tim, I need a coffee. No, that's me, isn't it? Sorry. But I want you to understand this. We, we have to grab hold of this before we read it because... I used to read, and when I say used to read, I'm talking about like 20 years ago or whatever, I used to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 from a duty point of view, almost from a legalistic point of view. That's the way I used to read it until I understood the, the essence of the new covenant. So we have, to, we, we have to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 through the lens of the new covenant, okay? Because Jesus, because it was said... God said, and we just use Ezekiel 36, 26 as our reference point, that I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow all of my ways. That is it. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my ways. That is the new covenant. Amen. So we have to grab a hold of that as we go forward. Are we going okay? Because Jesus in the end said that we are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You are. We are. Where is the salts? Where is the preservation? Where is the flavor? Where is the healing? Where is this stuff going to come from if it doesn't come through us? And we are the light of the world. The world is getting increasingly darker, but it's time for the church to be the light. It, as I've said before, it's not our government. It's not politicians. It's not programs. It's the people of God shining the light of Christ into our worlds. Okay, we start in verse 17 where Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Woo! We should give Jesus praise for that right there. And he goes on, because he goes on in verse 20, he says, For I tell you, unless, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You could know every verse of Scripture. You could recite every prayer. You could do everything you could do and it wouldn't be enough. Jesus said, I came to not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. The law was set in place to lead us to Christ. But then, but then when we come to Christ, in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Amen? Are we getting excited yet? I'm, I'm just a little bit excited today. He didn't come to abolish the law. The law is needed because the law leads people to Christ. If there is no law, how do you know that you're a sinner? 
But in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. It is only in Christ that we can enter the kingdom of God. It is only in Christ. There is no other way. Narrow is the gate. There's not many ways. It's not the Baha'i faith where many roads lead to God. No. And the, sad, the thing that saddens me is there are so many fellowships, whether it's here in Bundaberg or whether it's in Melbourne or whether it's in Sydney or whether it's in America, that are wandering away from the Word of God because they're trying to fit the gospel into the culture of this world. And it doesn't work. There's no marriage in that. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And he said, what you, what you couldn't do for yourselves, I'm going to do for you. Isn't that a good dad? When a father looks at his kid and he says he's struggling with that, you can't do it, it's too heavy a load for you to carry, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do it for you. That's what he did. So let's read these verses with these thoughts in mind. Amen? You, you, we see these statements about all kinds of issues. Jesus says, you have heard, but I say to you. So the first one is in murder. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Can you see when you first read this, if you don't understand the new covenant, you read it as law, you read it as duty, you go, I'm going to try my best not to commit murder, but I'm going to try my best not to hate my brother or sister anymore. But then what happens is, You try your best, but it's not enough. And we get stuck in a pattern of try harder Christianity. I was stuck in that 20 odd years ago. And I used to be my own worst critic. I used to beat myself up more than anyone else would beat myself, beat me up. He goes on to say, there's others. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have heard long ago, uh, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, because because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Bit of revenge, hey? You took my eye, well, I'm going to take yours. A bit of revenge. But I say to you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, that's easy, isn't it? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Jesus has actually raised the bar. And you can go, whoa. Or you can receive everything that he's done for you and he changes you from the inside out. Remember, he said, I will give you a new heart. You don't need to struggle with, with, with hating your brother or sister. You just need to draw on the resources that he's already given to you. And you can start to love people even when they mistreat you badly. Even when they do things to you, you can start to love people. Every single statement that the Jesus is making here is about our heart. It's no longer just about the external action. It is about the matters of the heart. But we don't need to be fearful of that because he said, I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow all my ways. That's why I said a couple of weeks ago that the real danger is if we can just we can, in, we can intentionally sin and do something and have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's dangerous territory. It means we've actually got a, a stony heart. And we need to come back. Because I don't know about you, but I find, you know, the slightest thought going one way, it's like the Holy Spirit is moving in me. Can you feel the Holy Spirit moving in you? When you talk about people, when you do certain things or whatever, can you, can you sense the Holy Spirit in you? Because He is drawing you to Christ. He's drawing you to Christ. He's drawing you to Christ. It's about the heart, isn't it? It goes on in chapter 6. And the first thing He says is, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. And please, miss, please don't mishear me, but this is why I have a problem with people that put everything on Facebook. Look what I've just done. Look what I've just done. Look what I've just done. I'm not trying to judge people here because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what is the motivation of the heart? Are we practicing our acts of righteousness before God or before man? It wasn't that long ago that there was no Facebook. But God still knew everything that we did for others. Whenever you give to the poor, don't sound it as a trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by the people. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Who, which audience are you living for? Are you living for the audience of man? Or are you living for the audience of the one who's given you life? He goes on and talks about prayer. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who is in secret will will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. 
I have heard people misquote this scripture time and time again. Nowhere here is Jesus say, don't be a part of public prayer meetings. Nowhere in here is Jesus saying, don't pray out loud. It is about the heart. If I'm on the corner and I'm doing something and my heart motive is, look at me. Yes! And people are going, whoa! It's all wrong. When you go into the secret place and you pray, God deals with the flesh. Don't mistake this verse of Scripture for saying don't pray out loud. He says don't babble. Isn't it true Jesus just went up to someone and he just, he said, your faith. has healed you. Go. Be healed. He was walking in the fullness of sonship. He didn't need many words. He just needed a few. Because he was walking in the fullness of the authority of sonship. He goes on to talk about fasting. Whenever you fast, ooh, Did we get that first word? Whenever. When you fast, not if you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. He's, he's pretty full on, isn't he? I wonder how many people in the church would get offended today by Jesus. Don't be like those hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious. You walk into church on a Sunday and I'm, someone is fasting today and I know who it is, their name's on the back sheet, we won't go. Do, do they walk into the room and go, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm fasting. <laughs> I've got my sackcloth and ashes on. I'm fasting. I haven't had my coffee. Not feeling too good, haven't had my coffee. Or do you just go on living? You don't have to let people know what you're doing. The thing I love about so many of you here in Restoration Centre is that you are doing so much for other people during the week and no one ever knows. I don't ever know everything you do, not that I have to. But there are so many of you that are giving, loving, praying, serving, helping, and God knows. And He looks at you like a proud father. And he said, this is my son and my daughter, whom I love. Look at them. In the midst of all those passages is the Lord's Prayer. But when I grew up in the Presbyterian church, I learnt by rote a certain time in the, in the songs, the three hymn sandwich that I used to call it. Sorry, I was a rebellious teenager for a couple of months at least, you know. And we used to, then there was a, a, the, the appropriate time would come in. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I didn't get it at all. This is not just a prayer to be prayed. This is a life to be lived. 
our Father, who art in heaven, all glory, all praise, all honour goes to you. In everything I do, I magnify you. I exalt you because you are the one who is worthy. Is there an amen? It is your kingdom come. It's not Tim's kingdom. It's not the empire of Tim. It is your kingdom come. Let it come in me. Let it come in me. Let it come through me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let earth be heavenized. It's, it's, it's what we're called to. It's not just a prayer that we pray and it takes 25 seconds. It's a life. And he goes on and he's continuing to speak about the heart. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you've heard me speak about this before. What you give of yourself to, your heart will follow. What you treasure, what you give of yourself to, your heart will follow. You can lead your heart. I don't know if we realize that. You know, when I do marriage counseling, for example, people go, oh, I've fallen out of love. I say, well, we can change that. You can lead your heart. What you give of yourself to, where your treasure is, your heart will be. You have the decision to make. If you want to walk in the things that God has for you, if you want to know Him more, if you want to walk with Him, if you want to just be with Him, if you want to experience Him, if you want to walk the way that people in Scripture walk, you make the choice by switching off the TV and you start to treasure the one who gave His life for you and you'll see your heart will follow. And then worship on a Sunday, whether it's through song or whether it's on a Tuesday or wherever, all of a sudden it's not, oh, what's the time? Worship's going for a bit long today. Your heart is there. The reason you struggle in worship And remember, it's not about the words that are on the screen, but it's about the position of our heart. The reason we can struggle in worship is because we're not there. He goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Since he will either hate, which remember hate in this case means loves less. He will love less the one and, and he will love the other. He will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now let me just clarify this for a minute because you know that money is not evil. It's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. And we see that in our world, don't we? That people clamber over people to get where they want to be because they want more money. You know, Woolworths made $2 billion profit, so the CEO got a 34% pay rise. It's not, the lo- it's not money. It's the love of it. You see, there's a competition in our hearts, and this is not just about money either. This is about the competition of our hearts. Is it for the Lord or is it not? There are so many things in this world that are competing for your attention. 
And we need to keep being reminded that, Lord, you have my heart. And I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Does he have your heart? Does the Lord have your heart? He goes on to say, don't worry. Don't get stressed. Don't get full of anxiety about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what your body, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Consider the birds of the sky. And he goes on to say, you know, if he looks after his creation, surely he's going to look after you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Concentrate on today. We do not have to worry about what is coming. We don't have to worry. I always think if God could feed his rebellious children in the desert, fresh manner every day, he can certainly do that for us. That'd be a pretty good miracle, wouldn't it? To see like food just appear on your table. That'd be pretty cool. We don't need to worry. So he bookends that by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God, help us to be a kingdom people. Because the thing about it is when you seek first the kingdom, you start to understand the kingdom and that it actually reforms the way that you live. That's what I'm actually talking about. You can be revived in your walk with God, but it doesn't necessarily equate to that it's going to reform the way that you live. Is our heart with God or is our heart in the world? He goes on in, in uh, chapter 7, he says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for, for, with, for you will be judged by the same standard by which you judge others, and you will, you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Why do you look at the splinter or the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the plank of wood in your own eye? He's not talking about do not judge, because we are called to judge prophecy. We're called to judge things. It's not a blanket do not judge, but it's all about a hypocritical judgment. It's this spirit of condemnation that I'm condemning my brother because look at him. Look what he's doing. But I'm actually missing what's going on in me. That's why he says, just take a look at yourself first and you go, oh my goodness. Judgments will cease when we start to look at ourselves first. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This is verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. There is only one way. Jesus. Jesus is the way. The way. The truth. The life. 
There is no other way. There, under, there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. And some may call us bigots for this or whatever, but it is the truth. There is no other way to heaven. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And then so he just puts some checks in here. Be on guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. He says you'll recognize them by their fruit. That is the essence, isn't it? You recognize people by their fruit because you can't hide it. You can try and hide it for a little bit, but if you get to spend enough time with each other, you can't hide it. When you go to Alice Springs for seven days with the team, you can't hide it. Who's coming on the next trip? You can't hide it. You are recognized by your fruit. People see Christ in you. They see the way that you serve, the way that you love, the way that you, you walk in humility, the way that you walk in, in you know, these things, and they go, wow, I can see Christ in them. See, being, being a Christian is not a name. It is who you are. I am, you are, we are all Christians. That'd be a good answer for Australia, wouldn't it? Imagine that. Oh, we are one in Christ. Male, female, slave, free, black, white. We're, we're one in Christ. As I said, we actually have the answer because Christ has done it for us. He really confronts the people about that, doesn't he? Because he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we do many miracles? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. And the Greek word for knowing is this deep, intimate knowledge of. See, it's not about how we look, but it's about who we are. But then, out of who we are, we will do. Amen? Out of who you are, you will do. If you, if you are walking in the love or you receive the love, you will love. And your love will go beyond. And people will go, wow, look at the way they love. He continues, this whole thing is about the kingdom life because he has done it for us. He's removed our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. He's put His Spirit in us and He's moving us to follow Him. We're being moved by the impulses of the Spirit. Amen? We're moved. Do you find that in worship sometimes? You're moved by the impulses of the Spirit just to worship Him, just to exalt His name. You're moved by the impulses of the Spirit. And then He says, therefore, so, this is, so He's been speaking for a while now. Chapter 5, chapter 6, into chapter 7, he's, he's been speaking for a while now, and he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, so we need to go all the way back to chapter 5. Have we got enough time? I was just testing you. 
We have to go, therefore, ever who hears these words of mine, everything that he has been speaking to them about this life, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man to build his house upon a rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, but it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. You see, if we hear those words... And we understand the new covenant. We understand what, what the Lord has done for us. We understand the kingdom. We will be like a house upon a rock. And that's why I say we do not need to fear what may come our way. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, disease, whatever. We do not need to fear because we have built a house upon the rock. But if we don't, Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The same circumstances came. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, pounded that house, and it just collapsed. Is your life being built upon Jesus Christ and everything that he has done for you? The kingdom of God is a whole new way of thinking, living, serving, ministering, which is why he said, we must be born again from above to enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he said, I remove from you your heart of stone and I give you a heart of flesh and I will move you to follow my decrees, my ways. I guess this morning we're saying through Scripture that He wants your heart. That's where it's at. He wants all of it. Every room of your life, every area. That you will see victory in every area of your life. Not just some areas, but you will see victory in every area. When people come to me and say, I can't forgive that person, I say, In Christ, all things are possible. I can't get over that thing that happened to me in Christ. All things are possible. He died so that we may live and live in the victory, the fullness of the kingdom. Is there an amen? I want to close with this thought. In Ephesians chapter 4. This is not the only place where Paul talks like this, but this is one of them. And he says in chapter 4, verse 22, well, actually, let's go back to verse 20. That is not how you came to know Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self, 
that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Let me simplify that for you for a bit. We take off the old man, and we put on the new man, being created in Christ, the righteousness of God. There's a song that used to play in my car a bit about take off the old man and put off the new man. I'm going to set my mind on things above. It, just, it was pretty repetitive. I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to set my mind on things above. Anyway, go, but we take off the old man and we put on the new man. And I think that's what God is looking for us. To understand everything that He's done for us. And we go, why am I still living with this dirty sleeve? I take off the old man and I put on the new man. And we walk in it. We are sons. The moment you are born again into the kingdom of God, you are a son of God. But we are learning how to walk out that sonship. That is the glory to glory part. We are learning to walk out what Christ has already done. We're not trying to attain it. We are learning to live from it. The music team wants to come up. I was thinking of this verse in 2 Corinthians, because this is the, the essence, isn't it? If the ministry that brought death chiseled in letters on stones came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation had glory... The ministry that brings righteousness overflows with glory. Woo! In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. Greater glory. Greater glory. Greater glory. And I love this. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. That's why it's not freedom just to do whatever you want and to satisfy the flesh, because it's where the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Truth. Truth about who you are. Truth about who He is. Truth about what He's done for you. Truth about the new covenant. Truth about your calling. Truth about your position. Truth about the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is wanting to guide you into all truth. And we, all, all with unveiled faces... In Christ, the veil has been taken away. Are looking as in a mirror, beholding 
as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And are being transformed into that same image. From glory to glory. Let's live the kingdom life from the inside out. Let's grab a hold of the fullness of the truth of the new covenant and let's live it. Let's be a people of reformation. Who wants to be a people of reformation? A people of transformation. Today, if there's anything that's sitting in you that you think, you know what, that's old man thinking. I need to take off the old man and I need to put on the new man. If there's anything, today is a great day to put off the old man and to put on the new man. If there's an issue in your life that you're holding unforgiveness, you're still holding and you know when you are because when someone mentions it, you go, oh. That's how you know if you're still holding on to something. When you see that person or when that circumstance is brought up or when something happens that's even similar to what happened 10 years ago, you go, That's how you know if you're holding on to something. If you are holding on to anything, then today is the day to take off the old man and to put on the new man. Today is the day to give it to Jesus. Today is the day to go, I don't want this stinking thinking anymore. I don't want any blots on my clothing anymore. I just want the righteousness of Christ in God. So we respond today. If you need to come and use this space down here, then come and use this space down here. I hope you've heard the message in the midst of all my babble. It's Jesus. And he wants your heart. And we can love those. We we can love our enemies. We can pray for those who persecute us. We can give to those in need. We can do all these kind of things because of what he has done for us. Lord, change us from glory to glory. Give us a revelation where we need revelation. Open our eyes to see clearly. We need to see clearly that we would behold as in a mirror the glory of our God. Lord, help us to fully understand where the enemy has been trying to stop us from understanding the full message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that there would be breakthrough, 
we take a hold of anything that would seek to come against, that we would leave today feeling ho-hum. We take authority over the thoughts that say, I'm not good enough. I can't measure up. This circumstance will never change. We take authority over those things today in Jesus' name. We take a hold of the spirit of fear, any worry, any anxiety, any strongholds where people have been battling in their minds. We take authority over those things today in Jesus' name. And we say, minds be renewed. Minds be renewed. Be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let, let Let that awakening come in us, God. Let the eyes of our heart be enlightened to know the truth. Because Jesus, you are more than enough. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Well, there should be. Joy in the house of the Lord. Joy in the house of the Lord. So we respond to His goodness and His kindness today. We respond to all that He has done for us.